0: This podcast is sponsored by Prime Super, a leading industry super fund specialising in the health and aged care sector. Go to primesuper.com.au to see what we can do for you. Patients who feel unable to assert themselves in the presence of clinicians mirror the behavior of adults kidnapped hostages, a research team has suggested. Researchers from Monash Business School and the Texas A&M University said the phenomenon, called hostage bargaining syndrome, appears to be the result of an imbalance of power between the patients and staff. I'm joined by Professor Tracy Dunaher from Monash Business School to find out more about the issue and how it can be lessened. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. So what is hostage bargaining syndrome exactly and and how does the idea of hostage bargaining apply to to a hospital setting?
1: I think that probably the best way to explain the hostage bargaining syndrome is if I gave you a contextualised example. So if you and I went to a restaurant um, or we went on an airline, for example, or or any sort of service like that, and we weren't happy with some component of it, if we weren't happy with with the meal or the service, um, if the meat wasn't cooked, for example, um, we probably wouldn't feel too reluctant um, in terms of speaking up and saying to someone, oh, this isn't quite right or this is actually, we didn't order this dish um, um, or whatever it may be. But what we found in our research is that in a healthcare setting, which is still a service, um, which you know sometimes people pay for either directly or through insurance um, or some other way, um, people feel reluctant to speak up. So. Even if they feel like something is going wrong, um, even if they have a concern, um, often people have a reluctance to speak up against their doctors and that's what we call hostage bargaining syndrome. So um, patients begin to act like hostages um, to the healthcare system and because there is a perceived power imbalance between the doctor and the patient because often patients look at doctors, they put them on a pedestal. They think this person has many, many years of expertise and training. You know, who am I to question what they're telling me um, or the treatment plan that they're laying out for me? And often even very educated people, um, even people that perhaps have a medical background, um, experience hostage bargaining syndrome where they're effectively silenced and they lose their voice. And they don't feel comfortable speaking up um, and questioning or raising concerns or criticising um, what's happening with their own care.
0: What are some examples of this kind of struggle that, that study participants described?
1: Um, so I think one example that stays in my mind is a young mother um, who was um, at hospital with her child and her child was receiving chemotherapy um, and she noticed that her child's voice had changed it was a small child only about 18 months old that the cry of this young child had changed and this concerned her so she raised it with her nurses and her doctors and they then went and did a number of tests and you know did a, a general um, you know look over the baby and check over the baby but um, Basically, couldn't find anything. Um, so over the next few days, this continued. Where once again, she felt like there was something wrong. She felt like the cry was changing. That it was, and she became increasingly anxious and concerned about it. She raised it one or two more times. Um, once again, the doctors checked checked the child um, over um, and couldn't find anything. And then she started to feel like she was um, becoming a problematic mother, that maybe they were looking at her as if she was an over-anxious mother. Um, And so although she was getting increasingly anxious and concerned about um, her child, she actually stopped voicing that anxiety Um, Because she didn't want to take up the time of the doctor because the doctor and the consultant was busy Um, She didn't want to be seen as the over anxious parent She didn't want to be seen as the questioning parent or the parent that always has problems or questions when the doctors You know come into the room Um, And in fact later on there was a problem detected um, And it was the problem that she had identified right at the beginning Um, It just took a long time to, to manifest and then she felt really bad because she didn't speak up and she wasn't more forceful in the process Mm -hmm. um, because then she felt guilty that a situation had arose, a medical situation with her child, that she thought something was wrong and she didn't push hard enough because of hostage bargaining syndrome essentially. Um, And so she felt like she had caused her child to suffer needlessly um, because she didn't feel comfortable speaking up in that situation.
0: What are some examples of the the types of nurse or doctor behaviour that, that might be contributing to the issue?
1: Yeah, I guess something I'd like to say is, you know, we spoke to a lot of clinicians as well, and they equally don't want the hostage bargaining syndrome. I, mm-hmm. The medical profession, um, you know, understands that um, shared decision-making is really important, that patients and doctors are able to work together work through concerns, set a treatment plan that is not only medically sound, but also meets the needs of the patient or the family involved. Um, So doctors were were also very concerned about this, and um, it was something that they obviously want to avoid as much as possible. And in fact, quite a few of the doctors would say things like, "You know, if you have questions, please raise them. But what we found was those sort of statements didn't go far enough to alleviate the hostage bargaining. Um, syndrome. So a lot of it from the clinician's point of view is simply sitting down with the patient, making eye contact, not seeming like you have to rush out of the room, not seeming like you're um, in a hurry um, to move on to the next task, taking the time to um, talk to the patient, get to know the patient, build that trust because you need that level of trust between the doctor and patient before you can start breaking down. The hostage bargaining syndrome, um, and before you can move towards shared decision-making.
0: How might staff be able to, to spot a patient who might be facing difficulty having their voice heard?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, there's subtle cues um, as to patients that are finding it difficult to speak up. We know, for example, that there are also some more overt markers that, um, you know, people who come from a lower socioeconomic standard who have um, lower education levels experience hosting bargaining syndrome um, more severely than more educated patients um, and more confident patients. So straight away you have a patient group that um, through no fault of their own, just because of perhaps the education levels or the amount of time they've spent in the medical system, um, you know, are very affected by hostage bargaining syndrome but just in general for patients even who are quite confident normally um, it would manifest by them simply not engaging in conversation Um, not asking questions, you might think to yourself, oh, you know, we're talking about this treatment plan, it's quite complicated and the patient doesn't have any questions of me. Um, They don't seem to be engaging or perhaps they seem like they have a piece of paper where they've written down some questions but they're not asking those questions. Um, Those sort of things might infer that the patient is struggling um, with hostage bargaining syndrome and at its most extreme, we found a hostage bargaining syndrome leads to what's called learned helplessness and that's essentially where the patient gives up. They feel like nothing they say or do is going to change the circumstance um, so they they become disengaged with the whole process and therefore the ability to get them to be involved in shared decision making about their own care um, becomes incredibly challenging for the doctors and nurses.
0: And you touched on this a little bit but how can patients best be supported to assert themselves?
1: I think the, um, the really big element here is this concept of, of shared decision-making, and um, underlying that is the idea of trust and commitment. So um, a patient needs to feel like they trust their doctor um, and unfortunately, trust is often built up over multiple interactions. So, particularly for patients that have serious illness, that's an ongoing, long-term, chronic illness. You know that trust can be built um, over time. Um, some of the best examples we saw of clinicians, um, you know, doing things that break down the hostage bargaining syndrome is simply where, when they had to discuss, for example, a treatment plan with a patient, they would bring them into a quiet office. They would actually close the door. They would put their phone or their pager, if they could, to the side. Um, They would sit down and face the patient um, face-to-face and show that patient that, you know, they had time to spend with them, um, to encourage them, so do follow-up questions to ask them, well, do you you have any questions about what we've just discussed? And if, if the patient seems reluctant to maybe ask very specific follow-up questions, saying, well, you know, what's your interpretation um, of this particular part of the treatment? You know, how do you think you will cope with that? Um, And try to draw them out if there seems to be a reluctance of them to ask questions in response to the doctor saying, you know, do you have any concerns? So it's that probing and that taking that time and that effort um, to really engage in sort of more meaningful communication. And then, as I said, over time, building up that trust um, with the patient that you know, their doctor is accessible, um, that they will give them time, that they will take their concerns seriously. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter how many questions the patient has, they're not seen as you know, an over-anxious person or a troublesome person um, you know, or someone that's challenging um, the doctor's authority because I think sometimes patients feel like if they question and particularly if they criticize, um, because one thing is asking questions, but then questions can go to another level that is actually a criticism of the health system or the care that they're receiving from their care team. And I think patients sometimes fear that if they have to criticize, that they're going to jeopardize a really important relationship Um, To the mother I spoke about earlier, one of the reasons she said that she she raised it a couple of times and then let it go and didn't raise it again, even though it became an ongoing concern for her, was that she didn't want to annoy the doctor. Um, She didn't want to waste their time. She didn't want to be seen as an over-anxious parent, but also she felt like she was jeopardizing that important relationship. And to her these are the people that are administering the care that will save the life of her child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's when she feels very much like a hostage because now I'm bargaining for my child's life and I have these concerns, but I'm worried about jeopardizing that relationship. I'm worried about jeopardizing the care my child is going to get mm-hmm. um, by questioning or being critical you know, of my care team. And whether that's real or perceived, doesn't really matter in this scenario if if that person feels that way and it's now stopping them from speaking up when they they should speak up.
0: That was Professor Tracy Danaher on hostage bargaining syndrome and how it manifests in patients and family members.